right, here we are. It's time for another edition of Jonesing for Football. Happy birthday, America. Bill Jones along with Cody Winstead as we celebrate the long 4th of July weekend and we talk about the Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams, on this edition of Jonesing for Football. How are things in Philadelphia? Oh, yes, a city of freedom, Philadelphia, wouldn't you say? That's right, Bill Jones. It's a big weekend here in uh, Philly, 4th of July. Weather's supposed to be pretty nice. I'm going to be out at some baseball games, some Phillies baseball games uh, this weekend, so that'll be nice. And uh, we're about three weeks away from training camp, and uh, I know you're looking forward to getting out to Oxnard. Um, You got your plans uh, all squared away for Cowboys training camp? They are they are getting squared away. In fact, uh, the Cowboys are headed out there the last Monday of the month. I think it's the 25th, maybe. They'll be out there for a couple of weeks. They go to Denver. First preseason game is at Denver. They will have one uh, practice with the Broncos, with Russell Wilson and the Broncos, uh, prior to playing a preseason game in Denver. Then they come back to L.A. for their final week of training camp, which won't be much. And they are going to practice with the Chargers in the second preseason game against the Chargers. Then they come home and uh, host Seattle the last preseason game. I'll be doing those games uh, with Babe Loppenberg, who, by the way, will uh, be one of our guests here on a coming episode of Jonesing for Football. So we're refreshed and ready for a new season, and it's uh, time to really get geared up. And what I like about this, uh, especially last week, we had Mike Giardi on. We preview the the uh, AFC East. Of course, he's based there in, in Boston and covers the AFC East for the NFL Network. Uh, those are timeless. It's evergreen episodes, and so people can go back and uh, listen to some of those editions uh, of Jonesing for Football and get ready for the season that way, too. We've done nearly 20 podcasts since the end of the football season, most on the draft and free agency. But I realized we haven't really done much on the Rams, you know, like the Super Bowl champions. And so somehow we're not alone on that when I think about it. It seems like a lot of national media um, has kind of avoided the Rams for some reason. They've kind of flown under the radar a little bit. But I thought this would be a good episode uh, to talk about the champs and their chances at repeating Bill Jones. You know, I think there's a there's a reason why they've flown under the radar. The Rams, when, when you read the reports out of Thousand Oaks, California, which is where the Rams are based, uh, it looks like the Rams haven't done much since the Super Bowl. Uh, when you look at the participation in their OTAs and so forth, and of course they just played the longest NFL season ever with 21 games played. And so Sean McVay made the conscious decision to, uh, to not tax them very much during this offseason. Matthew Stafford, in fact, has not thrown a football since the Super Bowl. Uh, he had an injection on his elbow in March, and he will not throw his first pass in a practice uh, until they get together for training camp. Uh, and so some of the other players on the team, they've been, uh, you know, a lot of rest days or don't, don't even show up for OTAs. Uh, and it, it's, it's reading the reports out of thousand Oaks. Uh, the participation was really good last year for the Rams in the off season. 
And by design, it has been really bad this year. And it's gonna, I think it's going to be very interesting as this season plays out to see if, if that has any sort of effect one way or the other on the team. Well, we know McVeigh's philosophy uh, over the last few years. He was kind of, at least I think, he was one of the first to say, all right, my starters aren't playing in the preseason at all. Like we're going to be 100% healthy going into the regular season. And obviously that philosophy has paid off. And now it seems like he's kind of extending it um, a little bit more even into the offseason. Hey, it is, they weren't even traveling to away games. Uh, the, the guys that, that start playing in a game, the veteran guys, uh, a couple of years ago, the Cowboys played the Rams in Hawaii. And uh, it was a, you know, if, well, you had 90 players at training camp. They basically had about 45 players that made the trip to Hawaii uh, from L.A. for that game. And so that has been a longstanding philosophy. And it's I, I would say it's worked pretty well, wouldn't you? Uh, let's see. In 2018, they lost in the Super Bowl. They've had winning seasons throughout. I will say this. 2018, they went 13-3, and three, lost in the Super Bowl to New England. And the next year... They fell back to nine and seven and did not make the playoffs. And then in 2020, they were 10 and six, lost in the divisional round of the Packers. And then in 2021, they go 12 and five and uh, obviously win the Super Bowl. At the end of a Super Bowl season, we look at teams and we go, wow, yeah, what a great season that was. And I know myself, I tend to forget the close calls that a team had throughout that season. And when you look at the playoff run by the Rams last year, and there were some really – we all remember the close games, even going back to the last uh, regular season game, which they lost to the Niners. Uh, it was a 12-5 and season, and uh, first round, wild card round, they blew out Arizona. But divisional round, they beat Tampa Bay 30-27. to In the NFC Championship game, they beat San Francisco 20-17. to and then in the Super Bowl, they beat Cincinnati 23 to 20. There's very little margin for error in all three of those three-point wins that got them a Lombardi trophy. And so I bring that up as a point that, okay, now they're, they're by design, they are backing off this offseason. And now going forward, we see how much they can get it, get it back rolling again when you had so many close calls last season, maybe being together throughout the offseason, Matthew Stafford being able to throw to his receivers and stuff, maybe that set the stage for a 145-catch season for Cooper Cup, uh, one of the greatest seasons of all time for a receiver. And uh, it'll be very interesting to see how the effect. I wanted your opinion on this. I agree with you. We see the end result. We see the Super Bowl ring. We see the stars. Aaron Donald pointing to the finger. Give me my ring. We see Stafford and Cup, Jalen Ramsey. And we think like, wow, they're a great team. My question for you is, do you think they really are a great team? And do you think they should be even the favorites to win the NFC this year? I will not make them the favorite. And that's one of the, had they not won the Super Bowl last year, I would put them right I'm not, I'm not saying it from a talent standpoint so much because there hadn't been that much changeover on their team uh, from last year. Yeah, I, I hearken back to the Cowboys of the 90s. And I just, and, and back then, we in the media had so much better access. We, I mean, we have no access now. But back then, you at Valley Ranch, you could literally, as a member of the media, 
just hang out in the locker room uh, in on a March, April, May day and catch Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin coming off the practice field. They were just working out on their own uh, in March. Okay. And I really think that kind of dedication to your craft, and not to say that today's players aren't dedicated to their craft, they're, they're doing it, I'm sure. But I saw it firsthand back then. And it concerns me, and I understand why the Rams are doing it, and it's probably the prudent thing to do for this team coming off the season they had and the elbow injury that Stafford had. I just think that it, it can have an effect and, and likely will have an effect on Matthew Stafford's production with his receivers this season, that he's not throwing any balls to him uh, during the offseason. I think that there's a reason that you'll see quarterbacks coming off injuries that may struggle a little bit coming back from that injury, uh, and they just haven't had gotten the timing down. There's, there's a fine line between winning and losing in this league, and uh, when you haven't put the work in in the offseason – I, I think it can come back to bite you once the regular season rolls around. And then they're in a tough enough division that there's so many close games that they had in winning games last year that I, I think that probably – the other part of it, Stafford was brand new to the team last year. And so when you're, you're brand new to any job, whatever age you are, you are on point in everything that you're doing. Now there's just a natural tendency to relax – and uh, so I think you might be seeing that with this Rams team this year. Yeah, let's uh, let's start with Stafford and then we can kind of work our way through the offense and then uh, get to the other side of the ball as well. Uh, I just thought it was awesome how Stafford was immediately great in L.A. Tied a career high in touchdown passes last year with 41. Also tied a career high in completion percentage, uh, 8.1 yards per attempt. That was his best of his entire career. And his grasp of that McVay offense, it was about as perfect as possible. I, I've had high hopes for them, and I actually drafted Stafford and Cooper Cup in both of my fantasy leagues, and that was the reason that I won one and finished second in the other. Those two. I slipped that in. Yeah, well, I, I, I got to make it a little bit about myself. You know how I always do that. Um, but I think they're actually going to be even more efficient this year, Bill Jones, because – he did lead the league in picks last year with 17. I think that number actually goes down this year while his touchdowns will uh, stay around 40. Um, like I said, truthfully, I'm just happy for Stafford. He fought his ass off in Detroit, just didn't have the surrounding support, whether it was in the front office, whether it was uh, talent on the field. And it's just amazing how you take one piece and move him to a stable organization around stars and then. Boom, he goes from 0-3 in the playoffs in his first 12 seasons to 4-0 in his first year in a new organization. So uh, I was really just happy for Matt Stafford and uh, the year he had there. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I've always – I've thought because he's been with the Lions, he's been underrated throughout his career uh, because he just hasn't had the people around him. I mean, I being here in Dallas, and, of course, he's from Island Park, I remember seeing him in high school at Highland Park thinking, this is the next John Elway right here. I mean, he, he looked like John Elway in high school to me. And, and I go back with Elway um, back when he was in college at Stanford his sophomore year. I was at OU, and Stanford came to Norman. No one had really heard of John Elway at that point. 
uh, you know, and today in this day and age, John Elway was Arch Manning coming out of high school. And so if he was coming out of high school today, everyone would be talking about, oh, John Elway committed to Stanford like they did Arch Manning committing to Texas last week. Right. Uh, but back then, you know, that that wasn't going on when Elway first got on the, the map. Uh, as a college player, he went into Norman, and at one point in the second half of that game, Stanford led OU 31 to nothing. They wound up winning 31 to 14. I, I was doing the games for KGOU Radio and uh, interviewed Elway uh, during the week leading up to the game and was just so impressed with, uh, with just the way he spoke and how eloquent he was. And, and so when Stafford came along, I was like, there he is. That's the same guy that I talked to, you know, back in 1981. And, uh, and so I thought, and then of course he goes to Georgia and he, uh, he had a really good career at Georgia in number one overall draft pick. And so I'm very, I, I was very happy for him that he finally at age 33 landed with a team that was capable of winning a Super Bowl. And sure enough, he came through and did that. Now, as far as weapons for him, Cooper Cup, what an amazing season he had last year. And, and to review the numbers, it was 145 catches for nearly 2,000 yards, 1,947 yards and 16 touchdowns for a guy who ran a what at the combine? 4'6". Four, 4'6", six. Four, six, 240, yep. But he can separate, and that's what you got to do in this Rams offense or in any NFL offense. You're the ability to separate can separate Pro Bowl players from the rest of the bunch. Uh, they lost Robert Woods who uh, and Odell Beckham Jr., who obviously got hurt in the Super Bowl, and Woods is now with Tennessee. They've got Allen Robinson, and I've liked Allen Robinson ever since he came into the league as a second-round draft pick in Jacksonville. He's coming off a season in Chicago in which he had 38 catches, just one touchdown. Van Jefferson, who was a second-round draft pick two years ago, had 50 catches last year. So those are your top three receivers. And uh, at wide receiver, I mean, at tight end, Tyler Higby coming off a 61-catch season. And then you can look at the running back position. And my guy, Cam Akers, who was hurt last year, came back, didn't do much in the playoffs, but did come back to play in the playoffs. And then Daryl Henderson, who has been uh, hobbled this offseason by a soft tissue injury, they – Drafted in the fifth round, Kyron Williams. He fractures a foot uh, in early June, and uh, they've got a depth issue at running back. But, uh, I mean, they've got enough weapons uh, to to do what they want to do with the Rams, don't you think? Oh, very much so. I was looking at Cooper Cup's um, game log. Again, I had him in fantasy, so it was just incredible because you, <laughs> you never see this from receivers um, in the NFL, anything quite like this. He had 19 games, if you include the playoffs, where he had 92 or more receiving yards. He only had two games the entire season with less than 92 receiving yards. And, you know, normally, like, a guy has 100 yards and then maybe he has 100 the next week. And then the opposing defense is like, okay, we got to double team this guy and take him out of it and at least let the other guys, you know, prove they can beat us. That part never happened with Cooper Cup. It was like every single week he was the one 
that was uh, lighting up defenses. I know they tried double teaming multiple times and he would beat that too. Uh, it was just incredible. I'm actually interested in uh, Allen Robinson. You mentioned him. Comes over from the Bears, three years, 46 million. Uh, you said he'll take the place of Robert Woods, a.k.a. Bobby Trees, who went to the Titans. I almost feel like Robinson has a Matt Stafford quite feel to him, right? You know, like he was in a bad situation in Jacksonville, but still put up pretty good numbers. He was in an awful situation in Chicago last year. He did a couple good years there, but obviously not near the talent um, at the quarterback position or the offensive mind that he'll have now with McVay. And so I think he's going to have a, a huge season. I don't know if it's going to be more yards than Cooper Cup, but I'm really excited um, to see him in that offense. And I'm also interested in Odell Beckham because Odell still a free agent. There's talk that he might be on his way back to the Rams. We know he tore his ACL in the Super Bowl. He isn't expected to play until November. So I think Odell could sign a one-year deal there with the Rams. It's something affordable just for him to come back and maybe make another run in the Super Bowl. And then hopefully he cashes in um, with the Rams. But I don't know if you saw this, Bill Jones. Did you see um, Sean McVay's wedding and the person who crashed his wedding? Did you happen to see that? Now tell me about it. Well, it was Odell Beckham. It was Odell who crashed the head coach's wedding. Uh, I heard an interview with McVeigh, how he said it was real hard trying to come up with invitations for all his former players and who he should invite. He has all these great relationships and he can't invite a thousand players that he's coached over the years. So unfortunately, he um, Odell didn't make the cut. He basically had he said he gave invitations to the captains only and Odell didn't make the cut. But guess what? It didn't stop him from showing up. He came out, partied with the head coach and his new bride. And uh, McVay said he loved it. I think that's a good sign right there that Odell will probably be returning to the Rams, at least for this year. Somehow, I'm not surprised that Odell crashed the wedding, right? That's very, uh, that's very his style. I like it, though. And in fact, I'm not I bet Sean McVay wasn't surprised either. In fact, they, they may have said in advance, you know what? She's only got so many invitations, but here's where it is. Here's when it starts. All right. Well, what you do with this information, you go right ahead. But we'll be here <laughs> if, if you're uh, free that night. <laughs> uh, all right. Defense. I would say uh, you're looking at uh, – you have a star at all three levels of this defense, don't you? Hall of Famer at all three levels. That's right. And Aaron Donald, we know. Um on the D-line, Jalen Ramsey, we know in the secondary, and then adding Bobby Wagner to that linebacker core is going to make them uh, pretty dynamic there. Yeah. Uh, before we move on to the defense, I should mention on the offensive line, Andrew Whitworth, uh, speaking of a guy who should be a Hall of Famer, uh, he uh, has retired, but he's still hanging out in Thousand Oaks helping coach the young offensive lineman and what the holes that they have on their offensive line Joseph Noteboom uh is uh, out of uh TCU is your left tackle there's a battle for the right guard position as uh Logan Bruss was a third round pick out of Wisconsin they if he wins that job they'll have three Wisconsin offensive linemen uh starting for them 
as uh, Rob Havenstein's at right tackle and David Edwards at left guard. And so that's, uh, I would say, the way Wisconsin produces offensive linemen, I'm not concerned about their offensive line if they got three Wisconsin offensive linemen starting. So there you go. That's, a, that's all I have to say about the offensive line. Sure. Yeah, that's a smart philosophy that someone probably should have thought of years ago, right? Just let's just get all <laughs> Wisconsin offensive linemen and uh, let's go that way. Um, I did think it was interesting that they gave Noteboom a three-year, $40 million deal uh, to kind of show that they are pretty confident in him being able to take over that left tackle spot. And, and he probably hasn't fully earned that contract yet, uh, but obviously uh, they believe in him, and it looks like he'll be the left tackle. It all, it, what it tells you is that there's a dearth of offensive tackles in this league uh, where you can give – Three years, $40 million to a guy who started two games last year. Right. And, uh, okay, they're like, okay, if we don't have him, then what do we do at left tackle? And so there you go. It's, it's a great place to be. If you're a big man and you got good feet, okay, trained to be an offensive tackle, there's a lot of money to be made out there. The Rams defensive line, Pro Football Focus has them ranked the number one defensive line in football coming into the 2022 season. I think that has a lot to do with number 99. Well, I, I think that's the entire reason because uh, they lose Vaughn Miller on that D line. Uh, sure. They still have Leonard Floyd who had nine and a half sacks last year, but behind them, Bill Jones, I mean, it's not great players. I know Greg Gaines had four and a half sacks uh, as well, but Aaron Donald really makes the whole thing uh, work. Without Vaughn Miller, I'll be interested to see how much pressure they're able to put on quarterback, opposing quarterback. I, I think that they, they have a need to pick up a Vaughn Miller type as the season progresses. Justin Hollins has been getting most of the reps, I think, uh, at uh, the opposite edge rusher, opposite uh, Leonard Floyd. He had two sacks last year. One guy that's, that's underrated – on their defensive line, Ashawn Robinson, much like uh, Matthew Stafford coming over from Detroit, much like what we anticipate might happen with Allen Robinson coming over from Chicago. Uh, Ashawn Robinson coming from Detroit uh, gets into a, a system with the Rams where he can flourish on a team that's going to go deep in the playoffs. And getting in Greg Gaines at, no, at the nose tackle uh, had a nice season last year. And so those are a couple of other reasons that they're highly ranked in, on their defensive line. Uh, but Bobby Wagner, it's amazing what he's doing at his age. Uh, coming off the season that he had, uh, you know, he was drafted now 10 years ago. And especially at that position, playing linebacker, inside linebacker in this league, to be able to stay healthy and do it for a decade is pretty remarkable. And uh, I think uh, Troy Reader was uh, the guy that they lost to the Chargers who was uh, their third leading tackler last year. They're not losing anything there. I, I'm assuming Bobby Wagner is uh, going to put up the same kind of season that he did last year uh, in Seattle, even at the in his mid-30s. So I think they're fine there. And in the secondary, uh, with Jalen Ramsey, they, you know, uh, they picked up in a trade with Cleveland, Troy Hill, and they needed that uh, veteran guy. Uh, they drafted Kobe Durant. Uh, in the fourth round, a cornerback. Uh, and, you know, Jordan Fuller at safety uh, had ankle surgery, so he hasn't been working out this offseason. 
you know, they got Nick Scott and Taylor Rapp that have been taking the the reps at safety. Yep. Uh, I'll just circle back to Wagner. I think he's going to help them in two areas that they were really good last year. Takeaways and in the red zone. L.A. was top 10 in both last year and will definitely remain there because those are going to be areas where Wagner will make a big impact. You said it. Over 100 tackles in each of his 10 NFL seasons, including leading the league twice. He's going to be just a monster. We know that. And uh, you talked about the secondary. I really liked the addition of Troy Hill, who returns to L.A. after one year with the Browns. He spent the previous five years with the Rams, where he was one of the best slot corners in the league. So I actually do really like that uh, Troy Hill signing. And, um, and we know that, obviously, Jalen Ramsey still one of the best corners in the league. Speaking of Bobby Wagner, and I'm looking it up just to make sure that I've got it uh, got it right here. All right, you go back to that 2012 draft, and I always like reflecting back from my perspective with the Cowboys and what the Cowboys did in that 2012 draft. <laughs> that was the year they had the 14th overall pick, okay, and they traded up with the Rams – mind you, okay? They traded their second-round pick, which was 45 overall, I believe, and their first-round pick, number 14, they moved up to number six, worked a trade with the Rams, and took Bo Claiborne, okay? Who did the Rams take at 14? They took Michael Brockers, who was a fixture on that defensive line uh, for years, and one of the most underrated defensive linemen in football for his years there. And what did the Cowboys do uh, or what could they have done with their second round draft pick at 45? Well, at 47, the, the guy that they liked in that, in that second round was Bobby Wagner. And he went number 47. Had the Cowboys stayed at 14 and 45, they could have had Michael Brockers and Bobby Wagner. Instead, they traded up and took Mo Claiborne. Do you think Jerry Jones still has nightmares about that? Or has he like finally gotten over them after probably like <laughs> five plus years of nightmares about that? Well, the other the other part of that is you could have had Sean Lee and Bobby Wagner side by side on that uh, Cowboys defense for of course, Sean Lee would have been out half the time, but you would have right. had <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. uh, Funny you bring that up. And Bill Jones, we talked about how the Rams are kind of leading this trend of giving players breaks, um, load management, kind of, if you will, NFL style. Let's also talk about their draft philosophy, because I think they're kind of leading a trend there as well. Like not drafting players? Well, that's, uh, that's exactly right. We know the draft completed two months ago. Rams did not have a first-round pick, which isn't surprising. Bill Jones, do you know the Rams' last first-round selection? How many years ago was it? Do you know who it was? Uh, you tell me. 2016. Whoa. It was a quarterback. Goff. Jared Goff was the Rams' last first-round pick. Wow. They haven't had one in seven straight seasons, which is tied for the second-longest streak in the NFL. And 
they don't have one in 2023 either. So they don't have one next year. They've already moved that uh, as part of the Matt Stafford deal. I just find that incredibly intriguing in a league that at least used to value draft picks, especially the first and second round picks like gold. The Rams have just taken a completely different philosophy, moved them all for proven players and it's paid off. Like you said, Super Bowl in 2018, and then they actually win the Super Bowl in 2022. And it looks like teams are starting to steal that philosophy for themselves with a lot of mega trades involving a lot of draft picks going for proven stars in this offseason. Russell Wilson was traded for a haul. Deshaun Watson, we know about that. Even Devontae Adams and Tyree Kill went for big packages as well. So it looks like a lot of teams around the league kind of stealing that Rams draft philosophy. All right, and uh, I've got a prediction. If the Rams do have another great season and uh, make a run deep in the playoffs and perhaps either win or, or just get to a Super Bowl, who's going to be the hot coaching commodity on the head coaching circuit uh, this coming year in January? I would say Raheem Morris, but I don't know why the guy didn't have a job, didn't get a job after last year. Okay. So Raheem Morris, who's their defensive coordinator, and I'll throw Liam Cohen in there too, okay. who's their offensive coordinator. Right. He came exactly. back this year. He was with the Rams as a wide receivers coach, assistant quarterback coach, and then left for one season, their Super Bowl championship season last year, went to University of Kentucky as the offensive coordinator. And then Kevin O'Connell, who was the OC last year, gets the head coaching job with the Vikings. By the way, took Wes Phillips, Wade Phillips' son with him, who was the pass game coordinator for the Rams last year, took him with uh, him to Minnesota. He's the OC now for Kevin O'Connell. And then, of course, you got Staley, who's with the Chargers. You got Zach Taylor. I mean, anyone who coaches under Sean McVay, if you're a coordinator under Sean McVay, you're getting a head coaching job very soon. And so, yeah, Raheem Morris, the D.C., should be on the short list of every team looking for a coach uh, next year and put Liam Cohen on there, too, if they have another good season. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Before we wrap it up, Bill Jones, give me a prediction on the Rams. Uh, what do you think? Are, have you looked at their schedule? Because it I have I've ever seen a tougher NFL schedule. This thing is incredible. Really? All right, so they open against Buffalo at home. Right. The Thursday night game, September 8th. Are yep. they winning that one? I would say, I don't know. That's a coin flip game. Could go either way. I would okay. pick Buffalo. All right, they got Atlanta second. They win that one. Sure. All right, so we got one and one. Then they are at Arizona, at San Francisco, home against Dallas. They're hoping. So you got a, what, three and two? Two and three, three and two, three and two. First five game, three and two. All right. Next quadrant Carolina, San Francisco, at Tampa Bay, Arizona. So three of the next four. It's actually a stretch of four out of five at home. So I'll you had them at three, three of those four wins. Okay. Three and so that puts them at six and three through nine games. Okay. Next four at New Orleans, at Kansas City. Seattle and Las Vegas. I'm going to go two and two there. Okay, so that puts them at eight and five. What were they through November last year? 
They they lost three. They lost all three games they played in November. They were seven and four through November last year. So this is through December eighth. You got them at eight and five. Very similar to last year. Now here's the close, and they closed strong last year. Obviously, they they they, I think they won five straight. Then they lost that close game to San Francisco in the last regular season game. Last four, three of them on the road at Green Bay, Denver, at the Chargers, at Seattle. What do you got them? I wrote down 10 and seven, and I was being very kind at 10 and so seven. So that would be two and two in that those last four games to put you at 10 and seven. Yes. So there you go. And so I think we're in agreement there. And I go back to the start of this. What did I say? Uh, coming off that Super Bowl season in 2018, the next year they came back, they finished nine and seven and missed the playoffs. So they come off this Super Bowl team, they they come back and they go 10 and 7 and now they've expanded the playoffs. They might get in the playoffs, but we'll see. Just to recap that, you mentioned they start with Buffalo, but they also play the Cowboys, Bucks, Saints, Chiefs, Raiders, Packers, Broncos, Chargers, and the NFC West schedule. <laughs> that's incredible i haven't been 10 and 7 but now i'm thinking about it i, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs i think eight or nine wins is probably more likely like the, i have them at 10 and 7 with no injuries you know like just as currently constructed and obviously they'll probably have some sort of injuries let alone if stafford misses a few games i actually think the rams might miss the playoffs bill jones i wonder if a team has not practiced in the offseason and made the playoffs because literally they have not practiced this offseason. I mean, the, the guys that are that been out there practicing are guys that are borderline, they're bubble guys that are going to make the team or not. But the, their their starters have not practiced the entire offseason. Yep, you're right. I mean, that could come back to um, haunt them here, uh, especially down the stretch. I mean, what an incredible schedule and finish to the schedule. Wow. Which is another reason why McVay gave them the offseason off. Because he sees the schedule and how daunting it is. And he's like, you know what? Y'all need to be refreshed, recharged, and we can get ready for this in a four or five week training camp. Yep. It is the toughest schedule in the league, according to win percentage. And, uh, you know, I'm big into those over unders, Bill Jones. 10 and a half is their over under. I think I'm, I'm taking, taking the under. I'm taking the under. I agree. Yeah. With you. All right. I can't wait to hear on a future episode of Jonesing for Football who you have to win the NFC West. I'm not putting you on the spot now unless you want to reveal it, but I'm very interested to hear who you think is going to win the NFC West. Yeah, I truthfully haven't figured it out yet. Um, Sounds like it's not the Rams. uh, It's not going to be the Rams. It is not going to be the Rams. It might be one of my old friends, maybe the team that I picked last year as a surprise. Hmm. Oh, no, I still got to figure that out. Let me get back to you. Um, that team would need to win a game in the second half of the season, though, in order to do that, right? Correct. That would be helpful. Uh, and uh, <laughs> we probably need to lock up their uh, quarterback, uh, K1. That would be – that would go along. <laughs> All right, so I guess we'll just go ahead and reveal. You got Arizona, I'll take San Francisco, even though, I mean, you got a quarterback. Maybe that division's not as strong as what we thought they are. That's a good point. I, okay. I, I take San Francisco without seeing Trey Lance at all. I'm not. I'm not going that far. That's right. So 
I don't know, you know, and it happens year after year in this league where the, a division or a team is strong one year, they come back to the pack the next year. NFC West may not be all that this year. I think we we answered a um, significant question here on this show, Bill Jones. That's right. All right. What are we going to do on the next episode of Jonesing for Football? Well, Dr. Jones, we are going to get into some Dallas Cowboys we got Bill Jones, who calls the games on TV, Babe Offenberg, who calls the games on radio and TV during the preseason. So Cowboys fans, tune in. Uh, I'm just going to just let these two talk, truthfully, and then I'm just going to sit there at the end and say, hey, guys, thanks for the time. All right. Sounds good. Have a very happy and patriotic Fourth of July weekend, and we will see you again next time here on Jonesing for Football. Thank you.